0: We follow them too. And we have the exact same question. Join us as we interview the people that leave us thinking, oh, they get it.
1: Welcome back to part two of our conversation with Miley Minardi, who's on the team at Human Improvement. So if you haven't listened to part one, Go listen to it. We hear all about what Human Improvement is, how it got started, also Miley's career journey to get there, which is really cool. But in this episode, we wanted to talk through all things marketing a product that needs to shift consumer perception. Because if you're not aware, Human Improvement is a cricket-based and plant-based protein powder. And the reason they created it was because cricket protein is way better for your body, way easier to digest, and it's also way better for the environment. So it's a really cool product. But the first first thing Kelsey and I thought about when we thought about what we wanted to talk with Miley about is, okay, how the hell do you market this thing? It's a great idea. It's a great product, but how do you market it? So that's what we're talking through today.
0: Not easy stuff, but Miley has a ton of theory and also a ton of tactics for how you can do this. So if you're in the cannabis space, or if you're in another almost like stigmatized industry, this episode is for you. Or even if you're just curious about how you shift consumer preferences and perceptions, this one's for you.
1: Shall we get into Mm -hmm. it? Let's do it. All right. We are excited to share the brand we're loving this month. They are a sponsor of today's episode and they are called Mintier. They're a new brand that recently came out and I really love them. And let me tell you why. Obviously no one wants bad breath. And I think one of the easiest life hacks is just, you want to smell good. Like when you smell good, that is just, it sets the bar because if you don't smell good, it doesn't really matter what you're saying or what you're doing. Like that's what sticks with people is if you don't smell good, if you have bad breath, doesn't really matter what you're saying, you know? So we want good breath. Okay. That's number one. But did you know that in so many gums and mints, there is sugar and sugar feeds into bad breath. It feeds the bacteria that causes bad breath. Enter mintier. They are an oil-based, keto-friendly, sugar-free breath mint. And so it's really cool. It comes in a dropper. You just put half a dropper in your mouth and it keeps your breath fresh for up to 30 minutes minty fresh,
0: minty fresh. And I'm not joking. You guys, do you remember when you were like really little, or maybe you still have this and you'd chew a piece of gum and then you'd like breathe in really quickly, or you would take a big drink of water and your entire throat would freeze. Is that like a a common experience? Yeah. yeah. Yeah? I I know what you're saying. Same deal here. I literally put in the dropper. I breathed out. And then by the time I breathed back in, I got that like throat fresh feeling and
1: you just feel so much better. You're so much more confident big big fans of mintier absolutely and yeah it's a cute little dropper so you get it you throw it in your purse you keep it in your car you take it in your carry-on and whenever you need a little freshening without the sugar that's going to feed that bad bacteria you can reach for mintier love it so we will link them down below go check them out they're also an incredible female-founded and canadian brand which obviously we are always down for we always stand. so that just makes supporting them even better so go check them out you won't regret it Welcome back to part two with Miley Minardi from Human Improvement. Today, we wanted to talk about marketing human improvement, because Mm -hmm. if you heard in part one, it is cricket-based protein powder. And when we read that, we were like, how the hell do you market that so people will want to eat it? Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about how, how you've
2: gone about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you guys have seen our packaging for people watching on YouTube, it's here and these packets. Packaging was a huge, huge way we did that because traditionally anyone who's tried the insect or cricket protein route has taken the approach of putting real pictures of actual crickets on the yeah. packaging or mm-hmm. using phrasing like hashtag eat bugs or things like that that they're not appealing. They're not edible. They're very like fear factor and none Mm -hmm. of the products ever worked. So when we looked at it, no one sitting around the table at our team was like, just so enthusiastic about crickets. We weren't like super nature going, like insect looking for folks in any way. We were looking for a sustainable protein source that could be an alternative to meat. Yeah. And we were looking for something that would solve the problem of current protein powders, which is the digestion issues. Yeah. Uh, and so for us, cricket is, is amazing, but it's amazing as an ingredient. And just like any other ingredient like collagen, when Vital Proteins got really big, they didn't say <laughs> what collagen was. And if you've looked into it, yeah. it is not appetizing. They mm-hmm. said in hair and nails and a beautiful package, and it's going to make your coffee creamy. And so that I think is the approach we took. Is that for a long time I think food businesses have been using marketing and packaging to trick people and consumers into eating mm-hmm. ingredients that are terrible for them, like corn syrup, all the hidden additives, and things that aren't even real food. And then they put you know heart health on the front, or nice. it's free, or it's oh, keto. Man. And so I think for us we're like, well, can we use that same tactic? Can we use marketing and the power of brand, and can we actually trick people? into eating something that's better for them and better for the planet. And so that was kind of the initial take that we had on it. I
0: think it's amazing. And I think one of your founders' experience with DOSIST is such good validation that stigmas can change. And we've seen it with cannabis. We've seen it with CBD. And we're starting to see it in a bunch of other like taboo categories. How has his experience with that influenced
2: how you guys are approaching HI? I think it gave us confidence, honestly, because we knew that it was possible. And so for us, we never really had a lot of doubt that we couldn't make it work with the right team and with enough time around it. So yeah, I think his experience was invaluable in that way that we have seen there's light at the end of the tunnel. And if yeah. you educate people on the importance of things, there. I don't think people give everyone enough credit for their willingness to like learn. and. I think in the health space too, there is actually people are kind of searching for the next trend always. Like we saw that a little bit less because it wasn't as hard of a thing to put out there. But like with chickpeas or oat milk, people Mm -hmm. want to be on these novel sides of nutrition. And so I think we came in at a fortunate time in the market where people are like, I mean, at this point I'm eating like wheatgrass. So like, what's cricket protein? And Mm -hmm. uh, that was really helpful for us.
1: Yeah, and I think yeah, focusing on the why behind it obviously really helps move the needle. And I think having it not only be better for your body, but also just so much better for the planet is, and a lot of people who care about one also care about the other. So I feel like you just got like a perfect combo when you move away from what's actually in it and the why you should be interested.
2: Yeah. And I think we saw too, from the alternative protein category, which I'm sure you guys have seen with the impossible me and the Beyond Burger yeah. and all that coming out is that people care about the planet enough that they want to change their diet. Yes. I think the problem we found with a lot of those is they're not actually better for your body. Most no, they're of them so are so much worse. Most of them are full of oils and lab made ingredients and things like this. And so that is. That right there is what set us on the course of discovering cricket protein, because we felt like there had to be something more natural that was a whole food source that literally came from nature that we can get organically that would solve both those problems of people who want to take care of the planet with their dietary choices, but don't want to sacrifice their own bodies in the process. Mm -hmm. and Um, And so, yeah, I think that's another one, too.
0: When you're advertising, like, so you're sharing the story, you've got really cool packaging, you're, you're sharing the benefits, for example, are there certain points either in the buying process or even like the brand awareness process that you're actually getting pushback from customers on the fact that it's still cricket protein at the end of the day?
2: I will say we thought we would get a lot more. Really? We thought we would have an uphill battle. I think even from mush days, cold oatmeal, people forget a few years back, was not something anyone knew. We Mm -hmm. would sample at Whole Foods and people would be like, is this cat food? I'm (laughs) trying this, that looks disgusting. (laughs) Now everyone eats it for breakfast. And so I think I already came with a bit of toughened skin around it and was like, this is going to be hard. People are going to think we're crazy. Actually, just talking to people about it, more people than you think have tried Whole Crickets from going on vacation Mm to Mexico, and it's in the guacamole or different things like that. I haven't. I'm not an adventurous eater, so I would never do that. And that's why we put it in protein powder because yeah. it was a very easy entry point for people to get mm-hmm. comfortable with the idea because you don't taste it at all. You don't see it at all. It's in a format you're used to, like a smoothie. I guess, yeah, there would be maybe just some pushback around like, are you serious? I actually. The number one question we probably get is, "What do you mean by cricket protein? Like, is it actually from crickets, or yeah. what are you saying, cricket protein?" And we're like, "No, like for real, it's it's from crickets." Yeah, and we're like, this is so interesting. I want to try it. Of course, there's people who are, who won't try it, but it's it's way less than we thought. Most people are just intrigued.
0: I have to tell you, I am also not an adventurous eater. Like. <sighs> Can't even think of like even like escargot kind of freaks me out. I know it shouldn't, but (laughs) I would try human improvement. Like you guys have done such a good job, and I also think this is so sad that I'm about to say this, but it's truly how I feel that watching other people eat it and like having their reactions be totally fine and actually like supportive. Like I think of High Love for example, that actually helps me so much mentally, just rationalize the fact that I'm about to eat cricket protein. So the social proof, I'm sure, does go a long way.
2: Yeah, I think for sure. I think, you know, we've had a couple really amazing people. You just had JT on. Obviously, Sam Clark uses the protein all the time and loves it. And it's the only one that she uses because of the digestive issues and like bloating and stuff from other protein powders. But I think having some people like that who have such a big voice in the wellness space normalize it really quickly. Yeah, that's been so helpful. And it means so much to us as such a young brand to have people believe in us right off the start. So, yeah, they were very early on. I was sending them samples before we even had packaging and was like, here's some baggies of powder. Do you guys want to try this out? <laughs> um, and of, I, I promise people. it's
0: legal. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, but Luckily, they they took a risk on us and and ended up loving it too.
1: Yeah, that's actually something I was going to ask about is that's how I found out about the brand was just through brand ambassadors. And so, yeah, how did you get... Because you also had... Ami song as one of your first people, right?
2: Yeah, Ami's actually also an investor in the brand. So Right.
1: Yeah. Okay, that's that was part of it. That's why I was intrigued. I was like, they have big followings, but then they're also
2: interested in helping these found these brands. So yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah. I think some of that, I mean, for me, like the relationships with Sammy and JT or people in the wellness space came from being in the space for so many years because mm-hmm. From Namva to Mush, that was what I spent most of my time on was building those one-on-one relationships with people. And for right. me, early on, we had zero budget at Mush for any type of influencer marketing, so everything was relationships. So oh, wow. one-on-one coffees with people, or like meeting people to go on walks, like that's how I met everyone in 2016, 17, 18, wow. 19. So I was very fortunate that a lot of those relationships when I started this brand were open and excited to see what kind of my next chapter was about and support it. And then I think it's the same for Josh and Jason and Derek on our team that I think we all kind of just grabbed our networks and we're like, we need help. We're starting this brand in the middle of a pandemic and it's going to be amazing, but we need some people to believe in us early. And we were really, really fortunate that they did. Wow. I feel
1: like we've talked about this in some of our recordings this week, or maybe me and Kelsey have talked about it off air, but just the power of having people who believe in you and yeah. want to support you like that itself can be the catalyst from something going to idea to existence, even whether it's like outwardly supporting or just like encouraging you to keep going. It's
2: huge. Yeah. Communities, everything. We yeah. we found a good pocket of people that understand what we're I'll say it again. They just get it. Um, but um, No, really, I think I think it comes down to that. Like people also vote with their dollars. So I yes. think you know, people investing in the brand, even just by ordering is confirmation that they want this to exist. And so it, it really does everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've touched on so many good things. I almost hesitate to ask this question, but <sighs> for a lot of food and beverage brands specifically, it's really tough to do marketing because you're not allowing your customers or your prospects to like taste or to try to
2: sample. Exactly. And it's like that's online, like a direct to consumer brand.
0: Yeah. And it's so Mm -hmm. hard to build trust and to get people to purchase the first time, because once they try it, you know, they're going to love it. You're going to have a customer for life. How do you get over that hurdle or what advice do you have to other brands that are struggling with that same thing?
2: Well, I think with us launching during COVID, that was definitely a main issue because like I said, with my previous experiences, we went straight the retail route. And so automatically it was hundreds and hundreds of in-person samples. So you're getting so much feedback on it right there. And you can talk people through it. You can explain what to expect from the texture to the taste to why the benefits of it. But when you're just online, it's whatever's on the screen. One thing we tried pre-launch actually was we, because we couldn't sample in person and everyone was on full lockdown mode Mm -hmm. in 2020, we actually did remote sampling groups that were called like our, um, our taste testing. So we like literally before we even had packaging hand stickered, like hundreds of packets of the protein and then had people apply on a waiting list to sample the product before it came out. And then hand wrote them all cards of like what it was and who we were and everything. And then mailed out like hundreds of these packets to people all over to try it and give us feedback. And then there was like a quick survey of like, what did you like? And this was before we did our final formulation. So it was super, super helpful just to have like another few hundred people try the product before it even came out. And then they obviously loved the experience of like trying the brand before (laughs) anyone else. And having their feedback actually change the formula and things like that. So that was really helpful. And then, yeah, I think like personal testimonials are really helpful. I mean, I think people also kind of undervalue in the marketing world, word of mouth, which at the end of the day is like all that matters. So I think the people who do try end up loving the novelty of the cricket and then have to tell people like, I'm drinking cricket protein these days. and so that's something that's really helpful. And then the last thing I guess is we built a virtual museum of smoothies. I don't know if you guys got to see that on our site. It's like a a 3D tour you can take with like, it sounds like you've headphones, like you're in a museum and like it takes you through the history of like smoothies existing. And then it has recipes from a lot of our like influencers or people in our community, like you know, Hyla's is in there and 24K Golden and Ami Song and all of their favorite smoothie recipes are, have like digital art created of their smoothie. And so that was one way because people can kind of get the idea of, you know, what, is there, what does a smoothie look like with this? What does it taste like? And then again, that social proof of like, oh, this is a, a huge entertainer's favorite smoothie recipe with this protein. Oh, this is Ami Song smoothie. Like it, I think that, that helped too.
0: So cool. That is so cool. (laughs) I saw good ideas. I saw this on your website. I didn't click into it. Of course, I didn't think it would be this in-depth. That's such a smart idea. And all of your advice is so good. Literally, just reducing barriers to entry so that people will try that first time is everything.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a learning curve. We're still trying to solve that problem. But
0: man, (laughs) I know it's an uphill battle, but you guys are doing well. Whatever you're doing, just keep doing that. (laughs)
2: Thank
1: you. (laughs) Well, Miley, this has been such a fun conversation. Thank you again for coming on. We're so
2: grateful we got to chat with you. Thank you, guys. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for having me.
0: I knew that marketing these products when you don't have the ability to like have customers sample it right in front of you. I knew that was difficult, but I never considered the idea of just decentralized testing groups. You know, like focus groups are definitely a thing. I've I've known about that. I've seen them. I've been part of them. And for some reason, I just never connected the dots that you could do that remotely and basically build like an ambassador team just by giving early seated product. Like that's really smart. Human improvements got it right. Totally. And
1: I think that is one of the silver linings of the pandemic is it's forced creativity. It's forced new yes. ideas and innovation. And it's forced us to think differently. And so I think in that case, it really builds resiliency. And it's like, okay, once you figure out how to do this, yeah. then everything else within your business probably feels a little bit easier. So yeah, and I think it's just a testament. Like when there's a will, there's a way, you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And that is what they did. So yeah, this was such a fun conversation. And I'm so excited to try it soon. Yeah. So, we hope you enjoyed this series with Miley. We are always loving ratings and reviews. We also love when you guys share the episodes you like on Instagram. It honestly makes our day every single time we see that. So, thank you all for doing that. And yeah, we will see you again in a few days. This episode was
0: brought to you by Babe Media with technical production by Burke Johnson.